Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Just Gordy. Gordy. Can I bother you for a second? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks here on the Brownly Dumb Show. Before we get the show started, we'd like to let you know that the Brownly Dumb Show is brought to you by Manscaped. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. Folks, using promo code BROBIBLE, B-R-O-B-I-B-L-E, get 20% off and free shipping on your Manscaped order today. Enjoy. That is promo code BROBIBLE, B-R-O-B-I-B-L-E, 20% off. Thanks to Big Game Bob. Folks, enjoy the goddamn show. Hi, folks! Whoa, gotta work on that voice a little bit. A little raspy here this morning, but it's a big morning, so I really shouldn't be raspy for this big of a morning, if that makes any sense. But... We're alive, we're awake, we're ready to rock and roll, folks. We got another morning here of the Brilliantly Dumb Show. If you didn't know the drill, you sure as hell should, because behind the glass, you're looking over there at the one and only, the pride and joy here of the podcast, that is Grace Ibrahim, backed up on the vocals by none other than Big Game Bob, folks. You were supposed to get the audio today. You're not getting audio today. You're getting something better than the audio today. My interview with Kevin Connolly E. from Entourage. We couldn't let you wait. I spoke to Bro Bible about this. We talked about it. We said we're not going to let the folks wait till another Tuesday to get this interview. We are bringing it to you now here. Coming up, Kevin Connolly. I actually, when we recorded the Robert O'Neill, the Navy SEAL, who shot Bin Laden, we actually did it from Kevin Connolly's studio. Um, I, I got connected to him, and we ended up building a really good friendship, so he's really not just a friend of the pod. Um, you know, me and Kevin have become close. I asked him to hop on the show, uh, which you're going to see that he did. Uh, this is a good one. This is one that I'm proud of. This just keeps the brilliantly dumb train rolling right along. Big day here for the brilliantly dumb faithful. We're taking you now to our interview with Kevin Connolly. Folks, enjoy the goddamn show. You're absolutely crispy. Where it's really crispy is the blue lighting that you got back there. Did you do right, that just right. for the show? Uh, you know, we do that for uh, video shows. And okay. Here, yeah, we throw a splash of light on the wall. You didn't do it just because you were going to be on the Brill and Dumb show, did you? No, I, I, but I did, uh, I did throw on a little uh, powder. I did do it through some hair and makeup. You did do a little hair and makeup there? hair and makeup I mean I'm wearing a hat but I did you know okay. a little powder take, right, maybe halfway there. through the interview we could let the hat go and really let that baby <laughs> fly a little bit you ready to rock and roll I'm ready to rock and roll let's do it buddy thank you for coming on by the I way you know, the way it's usually supposed to go is the interviewer is supposed to have the nice setup and the right getting interviewed is supposed to be kind of on the go with but I know. could I could get I could get you one of these lights it's a couple hundred bucks and it'll be Here a great investment. Here it'll be a great investment. I hear I'll it. Up. Bro, you throw a splash of light on that, that back wall. Pink, red. Pink. Oh, it's it's coming out early, Connolly. Are you ready for me? Let's go. Yeah. All right, let's do this shit. All right, folks. Here we are, the brilliantly dumb show, sitting here with Kevin Connolly. Connolly, what I'm gonna do for you here is usually we're gonna forego the Wikipedia read for you. Usually Thank we get you. it started. I would like to think 98% of people know who you are. Well, no. Maybe 98% of the, your audience, right? It's kind of yeah. your demographic. So, by the way, what kind of a microphone is that? That looks like the, the Space Shuttle Challenger. What model is Let me is tell that? you something. Let me tell you something. This is the Yeti. Yeti. This is prime time right here. It is. Okay. All yeah, right. Good no, to know. This is, good to know. This is no it's joke. It's very jarring. It's very jarring. It's very I'm not going to let you bust my balls on that. It's prevalent. It's very prevalent. Kevin, I, I want to get right into this. And Let's I told do it. you I was going to start. I told you I was going to lead with it. I've posted about it before, and I happen to think it's very good. Really? I walk into your studio to record a session with Navy SEAL Robert O'Neill. Right. Okay. From the time I walk into your studio at Action Park Media, how fast till you had your impression of me down? Well, first of all, I'm not a, an impressionist. I, I'm not, I'm really, I've never been good at it. 
I don't think I'm particularly good at yours either. I disagree. I saw a guy on Insta, one of your Instagram things that I thought was better than mine. I, I have to give it credit. I'm not sure who it was. I forgot his name. But there was one guy that was pretty good. I think you've put one of the best ones that, that I've seen. And I mean, I'm not just saying that because you're sitting okay. here in front of me. Well, it goes, it goes in and out. But what my interpretation of it was because you were interviewing Robert O'Neill, it felt like you were choosing your words very carefully. Or you were just trying to, I don't know, you were, you were easing into the interview. Yes. So everything was it just sort of slowed down and almost like you were like whispering to him. So would you say when the, when the towers come down, where are you? Lay the, give me the groundwork. How do you, where are you in 9-11? Can you tell us that? Is that, cla- dad, is that classified? <laughs> and his dad there really changed the interview because I've seen him do a bunch of interviews, but that's the best interview I've seen him do because it was a new layer with his, with his pops there. You know, know him and his dad are tight, huh? Oh, my God. And it was like, you talk about being the third wheel. I mean, I had no business. Right, right. I had no business being there. It was like, they just, I mean, they really hit. But before the cameras even started rolling, he turns to me and says, so we'll do about five to ten minutes on the Bin Laden. And you're like, and what else are we going to do? Kevin, the guy (laughs) wants to do five minutes on Bin Laden? What am I supposed to do for 55 minutes? Talk about, I, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. You got a studio. What should I be talking about? Yeah, no, I agree. Like five to 10 minutes on Bin Laden. It's like Tom Brady telling you we're not going to do any football. I don't want to talk about football. I want to talk about TB12, the brand. Yeah. What the (laughs) fuck fuck am I going to talk about? But he's been, man, he's done. uh, He got, how how bored is he of telling that story? Oh, I mean, no doubt about it. It's it's probably like people coming up to you and calling you E. I mean, how bored do you got to be of that? Yeah, I mean, it's not its not even that, you know, strangely, like, I think every cast member from Entourage will tell you that, like, there's always, like, the one line, and, and the funny thing is, people think that they're the first one to ever say it to you, right? The so, house, like, for me, Sloan? Uh, the tell Sloan I said what up. Yep. Yeah. That's, a, that's like, the one, you know, it, it, early on, it was, like, the hug it out thing, but uh, once Seth Green appeared with the... Uh, they would tell Sloan I said what up. I mean, to this day. And, and people, it's funny because people laugh hysterically, like it, like as if they like they wrote that. And it's like <laughs> the first time that I've ever heard it. And like I'm you're like, gonna say, shit, know. that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I forgot about that one. I haven't heard about that one in a while. Um, yeah, so everybody's got everybody's got their, you know, all all the guys have that have that story. I mean, Kevin Dillon gets lots of victories. Oh, I'm you know? sure he gets that all the time. Well, not only that, but they want him to perform that. <laughs> they uh, want him. They want him to fire up the vic. You know, like which is you know, whatever you got to you know, give him a couple beers and maybe he does it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure on his way into Starbucks in the morning, he's not oh, like it's got to be happy to throw. Oh yeah. yeah, he's trying to get his coffee and they're coming right, up and doing right, that. Right, right. Also, yeah. too, the the thing about Entourage is that like, and and by the way, I. Single greatest acting job. I, I don't care what, if you had, you know, if you, I don't care if you won 100 Oscars. In the history of Hollywood and television, it's the best acting job that a person could have ever had for the four of us, the five of us, or whatever you would say. Yeah. What's that, really Connolly? What? I mean, are you talking about Kevin Dillon? No, I'm talking about all of us. You know, the show was, I mean, from an acting job, it, it was, it could never, it could never be any better just in terms of how much fun we had and like just all of it, you know, it was wild. You know, what's amazing though, after knowing you and, and, and speaking with you, it doesn't even seem like you had to act. That was your character. Well, yes and no. Um, because, you know, honestly, like I like to think I'm a little, you know, rougher around the edges or, you know, I think, not that, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, there's always a part of you, you know, basically you, you know, for me, I approach that and you try to be as natural as possible. So you put yourself into that, you know, right. you, 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 you just want, ultimately you want it to sound as natural as possible. So yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's fair to say, I think, I think we were all slightly darker versions of our characters. Let me now. So before even entourage and all that pops off, you're in New York, you're a child actor at the time. I am. Yeah. When did you decide you're going to move out to LA? You know, I, I made that decision really early. Um, maybe too early. 
and it's one of those situations where obviously I'm glad I, I, I did, but if I knew then what I knew know now, I probably wouldn't have done it. If that makes any sense. Really? I certainly wouldn't recommend it. Well, I didn't go to college and I'm, you know, I would, I would recommend going to college before, you know, coming out here to tackle but the beast. But even if somebody Hollywood. told you before you went out that you were going to have the success that you did, you still wouldn't have done the same way? Well, yeah, of course, but who could who could know that? Like, you know, a lot of it doesn't always go that way. Right. You know, I know a lot of it is, you know, getting that break. I know a lot of really, really, really talented actors that never that haven't gotten that break yet. You know, and I think it happens for people at different times. So, um, you know, I was lucky, but also too, I was 31, 32 when that happened. So I, you know, was better because I don't know that I would have handled it as well in my 20s. Right. I think it was better for me that it happened when it did. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, it, it, it was great, but I had a point. I had a point. I forgot. Now, did, It'll your, come back to me. did your friends, did your friends bust your balls in New York when you said, I'm going to go out to LA, I want to be an actor. Did, or were they, did they understand it and know you had it in you? Well, I'd been, I'd been acting, right? So I was, you know, uh, you know, from in my town on Long Island, you know, there was, I was like that kid in school, the actor kid. There was, you know, it was me and another guy, but. You know, I was in. I did Rocky Five. Yeah, you, know you got the you uh, you got the shit kicked out of you by Rocky's well, son. I mean, I I won best two out of three. I mean, if you're keeping really keeping score, you, I think you it know. was that third bow where he yeah really the third got one. You. Yeah, he got me in front of the big crowd, which I guess is really where it counts. Boy, did but, it. But um, yeah, but that was that was fun. And I was in what ninth or tenth grade. I was 14, 15 years old, and um, you know, that was a big deal at the time. It really was, and honestly, this is crazy. I would say that the day that that call came in that I got that job was probably the best day of my life. Were you too young to realize how great of a gig it would be? What, Rocky Five? Yeah, like just even... No, well, that's that's why I'm saying it was the greatest day of my life. I was so, I was like, like overcome with a more, I was so happy. Right. You know, I would like that, I would say that. And then, you know, in uh, 2010, I got nominated for a Golden Globe for Entourage. But like those two moments were, I mean, and it's funny because Rocky Five was like people, it's just like the worst Rocky movie ever. Like Probably the two that came after it are like considered considered better. But well, yours um, was the Tommy Gunn one, right? The Tommy Morrison one, which is a really tragic story, you know. And also Sage Stallone, who was a really good kid, man. You know, he, that was uh, Sly's real son, uh, who played Rocky Junior. Was that Sylvester movie. watching? While you while you're bullying his son, is Sylvester on the scenes watching you? Yeah, in fact, somebody sent me a clip on Twitter. There's there's a video on Twitter of, of him in there, like showing us. He's like not he's not working that day, but he's on set and he's there helping you know us choreograph. And it's like who better to to teach you how to do a movie fight? Nerve wracking for you? I was. It was nerve wracking. It was uh, it was pretty intense. It was pretty intense. Yeah, I, I was I was starstruck. Uh, Stallone, I still listen. I love Stallone, and I'll see any Stallone movie. I think he's a he's just an icon. I love him. I love the last Rambo. Killed a thousand people in that. Movie. Plus, he's just <laughs> such an over. Like, if you're going to be starstruck by somebody, Sylvester's right. Sylvester Stallone's one that to be starstruck about. Yeah, and you know what? He had that thing I, which he, I've seen a handful of times over the years. When he walked into the room, I get, you know, remember, this is 1989, 1990. When he walked into the room, everything stopped. Yep. And all eyes were on him. And he completely changed the dynamic of every room. And so were you was, shaking uh, in your boots when he did come on? Yeah, I did. You know, and, and it's funny because Sage and I, you know, we were young and we were like in the streets of Philadelphia. We like, we ran around and we got in a little, little trouble, nothing crazy. But, um... You know, I, I was a year or so older than Sage, so I think Sly had me pegged as the ringleader, and I don't, right. I don't think so. I don't know. I think it was okay years later, but at, at first, I don't, I don't know that I was on the top of his list. You know. So now it was, it was post Rocky. You decide to move way after Rocky. You decide to come out to move. Yeah, to I graduated high school in June, whatever it is, and then, but you know, two weeks later, I was on a plane with everything. What was your I made it moment when you went to L.A.? What was the big people? People don't know that you were in the notebook. All right. 
I was in the notebook. Also, too, I directed the opening title sequence of the notebook. That's something that most people don't know. See, that that's a good one, too, to put on your board with it, with the success that that's had. Yeah. The opening title sequence where it's the guy in the boat. You'll see it's the name where all the names are in the beginning. I shot all that stuff. Nick Cassavetes is a old friend of mine, dear friend of mine, and uh, he gave me that job. So I was out there, you know, in South Carolina in, in, in the weeds with, you know, just trying to get a bunch of beautiful shots. And it's something that I'm really proud of because <laughs> Nick will tell you, they're some of the most beautiful shots in the movie. It was fun. It took me like a couple months to do. But uh, yeah, that's not on the Wikipedia page. That's reason. probably why it's best that we didn't read the Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia. I mean, like they, I, I would have loved to throw that in there to say the least. Right. Yeah. Do you, when you're on set and you've had ones that have been successful, you have ones that didn't go well, do you have a good idea that this is a hit? Like when you're even on the notebook, Entourage, are you on, on set thinking, holy shit, this show's really good or this movie's great? Well, the funny thing about the notebook was that, um, you know, you know, in hindsight, you know, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams are big stars, but at the time, they were they were unknowns. That's what kind Literally. of broke them out. Bro- that kind of broke them out. That's what broke them out, hundred percent. Right. And the funny thing about it was that I, the thought I had was, you know, uh, uh, Nick Cassavetes. I was like, man, this guy pulled this off. He got, you know, he got his actors. He got the actors that he wanted. They were unknowns. He got his budget, studio, the whole thing, and then he hit a. To say he hit an upper deck moonshot would be, you know, an understatement. I mean, you know, that's Aaron Judge shit, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's massive. And it's funny. It just gets it just gets bigger and bigger. So it's something I'm really proud of. Um, you know, I don't know if, like, the, the, I, the I made it moment is, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a loaded, kind of a loaded question because, I don't know. You, when do you really, I don't know, I st- you still wonder if you made it, you know? I don't know. When was the time? It just becomes something else. No, listen, I, I always said too, Entourage, you know, literally changed my life in a day. One day. You know, what, like I, first, Saturday, first episode? First episode. Saturday, and then the show aired on Sunday night. And on Monday, my life had changed completely. And, it, and, and I, don't, I don't know that I would call it... Um, I don't know that I would call it a, a I made it moment, but it was it was something I'll I'll never forget because it was hard to wrap my head around because I had been kicking around for so long. You know what I mean? At that point, I'd already been in the business for twenty years or whatever it is. But that know? was the the biggest. But I you know then I'm I would walk into my coffee place that I've been going to for you know a hundred years and like all of a sudden heads are turning when I would walk in and it was strange and I you know I lived in an apartment building i had to you know i had to move out of my apartment building because people were knocking on my door you know people inside the building you know because they started on. talking and saying kevin connell yeah like it, entourage honestly it, it that that show took off so quick that it was hard you know because a lot of times you know shows catch their mojo like if you think about like some of the great like breaking bad for example breaking bad if i'm not mistaken almost got canceled after season one because nobody was watching it, you know? That was like, and then that caught fire and was like a, a juggernaut. Right. But Entourage from that first day was successful. Um, I also have learned enough. I've done enough pilots and that kind because Entourage was a pilot. Uh, so I've done enough uh, pilots to, to not look too far into it, you know? So I didn't really think too much when we were shooting the pilot because I had spent my entire life looking into it. You know, I, I did a pilot in 2000. A CBS pilot called Sam Circus, and it was a World War II pilot. Okay. And to this day, it's the greatest pilot I've ever done. Really? I mean, it was miserable. Right. Like, in the rain and the mud, like in the cavity, get, you know, we had to go to the, do the boot camp and that whole thing. It was, it was an awful experience. But the final product is to date the best pilot I've ever done. I thought for sure that was going to go. And when it didn't, I just threw the rest. I was like, all right, you know what? There, there's no rhyme or reason. You just don't know. So when the entourage pilot came, the best thing is that I would tell any actor this, like you get a pilot, do the pilot, and then consider that the job and, and, and put it out of your head. You because sit you around. don't know how it's going to well, go. Not only that, it's so easy. You know, it is the rumor mill. Like, I, you know, like, you, you know, Kev, I heard CBS is looking to pick up comedies. Just saying. I hear you're on the short list. 
<laughs> Gotta leave you the impression. Yes, just moving thing. into one-hour dramas. I didn't want to say anything. I want to tell them we were friends. But, you know, I just, whatever. You're going to, I know you're superstitious, but. No problem. Yeah, so you, you try not to, what? If I didn't come into goal that, that it was a couple days after I had met you, you would have just been walking in around L.A. with the impression of me in your back pocket. Yeah, well, not only that, I was sort of doing it without you anyway. I would just start, kind of started talking to people that way <laughs> for a couple days. Yeah, I'll take that as a compliment. Like Shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, but it's funny because I knew, I, yeah, it can be intimidating. Like, you got Robert O'Neill, who's, I mean, he's an intense dude. Oh, no, he's that's an intense dude. The funny thing. Right? And like, go ahead. No, the funny thing, too, I remember saying to you, I'm thinking, this guy's a Navy SEAL. We had him at, I don't know what it was, 3 o'clock. I'm thinking, oh, he's going to be here at 2.45. O'Neal doesn't show up at 3.01. I'm sweating. Right. I mean, I was freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, well, well, just because he's so disciplined, right? Yeah. He's not going to be I'm thinking, Navy SEAL, he's going to be here 15 minutes before, no? You believe this guy? I thought he was, I thought this guy would have some kind of discipline. I hope it's okay. We're going to be running late tonight. Um. Yeah, but you know it's funny because we've had some, some really heavy, some good interviews in here. I mean, in the short period of time that we've been up and running, but it's hard to it's hard to top that story. I mean, we you know we've had FBI agents, we have had all kinds of people in here telling crazy, crazy stories. But you know, to sit there and listen to this guy talk about you know killing Bin Laden was was it, it, it's hard to top. I mean, I don't know how. It's you one could of those ever things, that story. You just you let them. The story's so good to where, as the interview, you don't got to say much. It's just kind of guide them and let them tell that story, and you got gold right there. Yeah, well, me, that was gold. Let me ask you, what would you prefer? Would you? Is there a difference pressure wise between acting and directing? What do you feel more pressure uh, on? Well, no, I mean, like the, the directing thing is, is really hard. And, you know, I, listen, I, I would equate being a director. It's almost like being a head coach. Like at times, maybe you get too much credit. And then at times, you know, you're only as good as your players, right. Or your, right. or your team, you know? And it's like, you know, to me, the, the thing that was so terrible for me was the whole, the whole experience with the Gotti thing was just awful because I knew I knew I was in trouble on the first day. How? I just landed and I realized that the resources were that that were needed that I were under the impression would be there were just not there. So imagine from top to bottom it's a 5 year thing of like having this horrible dark secret. So when when all that movie came out and all that happened that wasn't a surprise for me i've been sitting on that for four years and then when you knew that you didn't have the resources and it gets filmed were you thinking I, in the back of your head fuck well yeah i was saying fuck before we started filming i was saying fuck yeah because i was thinking this is just gonna be a fucking cataclysmic this i knew it was gonna be a disaster and also too john travolta is let me tell you something man when they open up those gates of heaven they're going to stop the line and hold it for John Travolta because he's the greatest guy in the world. Really? Yes. And any of that weird shit, I don't know what, listen, I don't know what, any, for me, I, the fucking guy's a 10 out of 10. He was a as fucking just, beauty. As an actor and as a person? As a person, as an actor, as everything, you know? And, and, and you know, he deserved better. He deserved better. And, uh, you know, but I'm the one that fucking took the heat for that. And and whatever, I'm not here to fucking cry me a river, but that wasn't really my fault. And I'm the one that fucking took the heat for it. So yeah, that was a, there was a pressure, but the worst part about it was knowing what was inevitable on the first day. I knew. You and then you have an option. I'm like, I can quit. I can quit, which is what I should have done. But then in hindsight, you go, you know, I, I was of that mind of like, I'm not a quitter. You know, like you, that part of you takes over. And it's like, well, I'm going to do my best. And then, and I just thought, like, let the chips fall where they may. But, yeah, man, on that first day or that first week, first couple of days, I was like, fuck, man, I'm stuck. I am stuck. Did you have that conversation with Travolta that, look, we could be in trouble. We got to make the best out of this? <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't. John is um, – he's, like, he's the happiest guy. You know, he's got his wife and his kids, and he's, like, so happy. I, I just <laughs> – it's crazy because uh, – 
I always thought that he was going to be the one that was there to protect me. But at the end of the day, I was, I wanted to protect him because he was, he was there. We were doing the movie and I just, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to dump. It's not, it wasn't his job really to worry about that stuff. It was mine. You know? was it, and, I take it you were a fan of him. Was it hard? Uh, yeah. Well, no, you, you, have, know, John, you, have surreal, you have surreal moments, right? Where you're talking to Judge Volta and he says, I remember there was one scene in Gotti where like, uh, I guess Gotti's supposed to be dancing or whatever. And he, and, and Travolta's like, Kevin, listen, you have to understand I'm an icon. Okay. So if I do anything that even resembles this, people are going to think Saturday. And then they're thinking about a different character. Now they're thinking about a different character. And I'm like, yeah, John, I, I believe me, I definitely don't think you should do this. You know, I was just, <laughs> um, but he was, him and Kelly Preston were just, I just, I just can't say enough. I, it's funny because, you know, he flies the planes, right? Travolta yeah, flies yeah, the planes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he, we were in Toronto or something and he was like, we were out. He's like, nah, I can't drink. I'm flying home, right? I go, John, isn't the whole idea of having the private plane is so that you can drink and somebody else flies the plane. Why would you, why, you, why would you, why would you fly? He, he, he loves it. He loves it. He, 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 dude, he does it. Like, you know, people jump in, uh, jump on the Harley on Sundays on a nice day to go for a ride. John's got like three planes. That, have you ever seen that picture of his house? No. Google Travolta, Travolta house. Massive. He's, well, he's got a 747 that, that, pulls up to a thing in his house he walks down that tarmac or whatever it is that the jetway right into his living he's got a little runway there he's got a little he's got a big runway he's got three planes but he's got the thing the the thing that you walk through and it, that goes to his house yeah but yeah before before but this I, I just i can't say enough good things about him and whenever i see people like take shots at him or try to hurt him it, it infuriates me because he's a good man it swirled around. It's a shame too, even hearing that, because you, you get so many different stories. Not as much now, but back in the day, there right. were so many different things on, on him. I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect, and I just was blown away at how fucking awesome is the only yes. word for it. Awesome, and you know, I failed him, and that that is something I have to live with, you know. Well, but at the same time, Whatever. too, you, you start crying. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Huh? I think it's safe to say you've had your fair share of good moments. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, but we went off on a tangent, but we were talking about um, the directing versus the acting, right? Like, you watch a movie and the movie bombs, the actor's going to point, go, well, well you right. got this fucking guy at the helm. You know what I mean? It, it's usually the, it's, it, he's the scapegoat, regardless. The classic and then, like, then NFL head work, coach. And when the, right, and then when it does work, you know, maybe they get too much credit, you know? But right. And then again, there's the greats, the Scorseses, the, you know, there's a million of them. You know, David Fincher is a fuck to me, an ace. You know, there's a bunch of great directors out there. So That just don't miss. But also, too, the other thing about, the other thing about directing is it takes a lot of time. Like, the Gotti movie, granted, that was a fucking debacle, but it took, you know, from the time to where you, it's four years, three years, you know? So you got to really make sure, you know, uh, people will send me scripts and like say, Hey, how do you feel about directing this? Do you, and what do you think of the script? And I'll go, I think the script's great. I can't spend the next four years of my life living in this, but yeah, I think it's pretty, I think it's awesome. It's just amazing to me that you knew day one that, that, that you guys were in trouble. That's amazing to me. I mean, like when I tell you that within that first, by the end of that first week, I was like looking at a, a like any possible exit strategy. Wow. Yeah. Now speaking yeah. of a, a couple of guys that barely ever miss when you first came out to LA, that's when you linked up with McGuire and DiCaprio. Yeah. Toby and I did a show in 1992 called great Scott was okay. the name of it. 13 episodes. Uh, and it's funny. We were, we were on Fox, but we were up against 60 minutes and, you know, we got smashed. Yeah, yeah, we saw how that panned out. We got smashed. Yeah, <laughs> so we didn't last very long. But uh, yeah, Toby, <clears throat> Toby's my brother, and he's been, you know, a great friend. And yeah, Leo, we're we're, we're just, you know, we're just was a band it, of brothers. Because right you guys were living together, no? Well, so uh, uh, I had a I lived in an apartment in Studio City, and it was just kind of an actor flop house. So yeah, Toby lived with me for for a while. Um, 
but mainly because we were like Beavis and Butthead, you know what I mean? We are just like smoking weed and like hanging out, playing video games at Cherry's Deli. And were you guys competitive with each other, like different roles, or was it so much more of a... No, no. Honestly, dude, and this I would put on my hand on the Bible, like I've never, ever, ever felt an ounce of jealousy, even before Entourage and any success that any of my friends have, because... And this is true, which is what, what I never understood about people being jealous of their friends. Success for your friends is good for you. Oh, shit. Hang right there, folks. So sorry to interrupt. Just want to interrupt to let you know that the Brilliantly Dumb Show is brought to you by Manscaped. The flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to mow your lawn. Thanks to Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. Precision engineered tools for your family jewels cannot beat that, cannot underestimate the importance of taking care of those things downstairs. Folks, you can get 20 percent off that's 20 percent off using promo code bro bible b-r-o-b-i-b-l-e for 20 percent off and free shipping of your next manscaped order today folks enjoy the rest of the show enjoy your properly cleaned nutsacks i think you're a perfect you would think are a perfect example but yeah, I mean, well, one thing, one thing has nothing to do with the other, A, right? I mean, right. if you're good, your path is your path. But success for your friends, it's, it's good for everybody. So I, to me, I, I was always, nobody was ever rooting for, you know. And it's funny because Leo was, I met Leo early on and he was just, already, he was like on the way. Oh, so when you, know, you met Leo, he was already, because I was going to ask you if you saw in Leo, like, Jesus, guy, something special. Or he, well, he, he, he was like doing this boy's life or whatever, you know, was, was the movie. So yeah, you knew he was, well, you, you knew he's a good actor right, right away. He was 18. You knew he was an elite talent from the acting standpoint, not, not who would have ever thought he would have gone to where he was. But truthfully, the almost the stranger moment was, was the day that Toby got Spider-Man. That was, that was, that was. I didn't tell you, he called you up and told you? No, well, what, what happened was, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but I'll say it. So, you know, Sam Raimi, who directed the movie, you know, uh, this is a record on record somewhere, had seen uh, Cider House Rules and really liked Toby. But, you know, Toby was like a regular guy. He didn't look, have that sort of look to him, but Sam liked his acting and wanted, you know, the, the right actor, you know? So Toby went out and Toby, when I tell you that Toby hit the gym, and of course, you know, Toby's, you know, Toby was sober. Toby's all natural. There's no cheating involved. It was like just stone cold blood, sweat and tears, hard work. And they, they, Toby shows up for a screen test. And I guess he was in like, you know, like a, I guess you could say it was like a leotard, I guess. Right. And it was just really kind of hot. And like, after the first couple of takes, he just kind of pulled off the, pulled off the leotard and like the whole room was like, holy fuck. He was just like ripped. And, uh, and then they shot it. So they did this screen test. So Toby gathered us, a bunch of our friends got together, you know, a few of us, and we watched the screen test. And we were all like, holy shit, Toby, that's pretty crazy. We're, and then we're at the debate starts. Like, yeah, bro, you're going to probably get this. And then he was like, yeah, I got, you know, I got the role. Like, he, he surprised us with that. And that was, that was just a great moment because nobody deserved that more than Toby. He seems he's like a total stand-up guy. The fucking best. Yeah. He's the fucking best. Period. End of story. How does, how does, you know what's Let funny? me ask you, how do, let me ask you, Connolly. <laughs> There's this misconception, okay? People think that you guys were roaming around calling each other, calling you guys the pussy posse. That was from a magazine, that was from a, an article right. that stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. You yeah, guys uh, never no, made so, that up. No, 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 no. And, and also, too, by the way, that finally, that finally came to light, thank God. So some, some, uh, in the, the New Yorker or New York magazine, which is like the higher end, I don't know, it was a high end magazine. At that time, probably the New Yorker. It was the New Yorker. Yes. Okay. This woman wrote an expose on Leo. She said it. And to her credit, she didn't say that we said it. She said it. She owned that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. She never said like, I hear they call, she just called us that and like 
talk about annoying. That's on par with the with the Seth Green thing because because it's just not true. Right. It's just not true. And it, and it, like the train is just built up so much momentum that you just throw your hands up. But uh, you know, we were far cooler than that to ever. Does your to Does your mom see that article? Call you the next day and saying, Kevin, what the fuck? Um. <laughs> Listen, my mom saw a lot of things. I'm sure. My mom saw a lot of things. I can remember one time uh, waking up. I was home for the holidays or something. And I wake up and I'm eating my egg sandwich. And I go to the, and I, I got the post and I open it up. And there's a, there's a, there's a hole in the newspaper. She took it out. I'm like holding it up. She was. Because she was, because it was something she bad. She cut out the uh, article. <laughs> I like it. That's like, what mom's still a hole in the newspaper. There's a hole in the newspaper. I mean, I, well, what's funny too is that, like, you know, that stuff is coming. She didn't know that, but right. like, you know, that stuff is coming. I knew it was going to be that day or the next day. So when there was a hole in the paper, uh, but by the way, I was happy. I didn't have to read because <laughs> if yeah. I was there, I would have read it. You know, and this Plus, is like, pre. You, you gotta have. And this an is pre online, right? It's not like you could just jump on the New York Post app or whatever. You know. Now, how does David Blaine come into the picture? I mean, was he just – you talking to a girl and he said, pick a card, any card? That, 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 that does – he does do that. That's was he thing. doing that? Listen, I, hanging around? Honestly, David, David Blaine was around, you know, 20 years ago or so, you know. Uh, I, I haven't seen him in a long time. We, like, our circles hung out together for a minute and, uh, you know, just – no reason, just life kind of gets in the way. Right. But you know, that that was really it. But it was David's not like one of the core guys, you know. Take me to take me to Entourage. You guys seem, and I told you that it really didn't seem like too much of acting to you guys because you guys got right. along so well. Same drill off the camera as well. Yeah, oh yeah, we 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 all got along. You know, uh, Jerry and I are obviously still very tight. Kevin Dillon and I, we're all, we're all super close. You know, Jeremy was always the sort of, you know, introvert or extrovert. What would it be? Would it be introvert or would it be extrovert? I think it would be, I think it would be introvert. Introvert. As far as he's kind of, ex- he just didn't want anything to do with us, which was kind of funny because it almost, it, it worked. Perfectly. You know, but he didn't want anything to do with us outside of, of work. I don't know why that is. I always thought, I mean, he and I got along well. But it, you know, and, and, but it was never a problem. I mean, for me, you know, uh, you think about like athletes, right? You don't have to be best friends. We could work together, do great work together. And then it doesn't mean we're going to go have a beer after. But as the seasons are going along and you guys are having the success you're having, does it actually, I feel like people get things it gets less complicated as going on. Is it safe to say it gets more complicated with guys now you're, Five seasons in, you know it's a hit, demanding more money. And does that start to get more complicated? It does, but we all, the four of us, were always band together. We as always band as together. We're all going to take that on agreement on what you would take. You know, and I, I will credit Kevin Dillon because Kevin Dillon arguably could have been a guy that could have said, look, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I've been in, I've had bigger careers than all of you put together. And I am just not going to make the same amount of money as you, Connolly. He could have said that. But Dylan realized that we were worth more money together than separate, you know? And, and Kevin Dylan also was good. Kevin Dylan, sorry. Right when we started the pilot or whatever it was, Kevin Dylan said, well, you know, when we were doing platoon, uh, Tom Berenger, gathered us all around and said to us, hey, guys, this is as good as it gets. So look around and smell the roses because this is it. This is the real deal. And Kevin Dillon said, and now I'm telling you guys. You know, so Kevin was really like the guy, you know. He was, he was smart and, and, and not greedy. And because of his sort of idea that kept us together as opposed to – because also, too – then it wouldn't, then like the scripts, not that the scripts are always important, but when you're making the same amount of money, now it's like, okay, when, you know, 
all right, so, you know, drama's off on this storyline and Turtles on knees. Now, it didn't almost matter. It's like we were all making the same money. There was no favoritism. We were all one one person. And you know what's amazing, too? I feel like a lot of times it depends on how important whatever character is, whether you need him or not. I don't think it, it is all pretty even as far as I don't think there's one of you guys that, that you could take out. No, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it would have been all of a sudden strange if in season five there was no E or there was no turtle. Yeah, it would be weird. And Doug, right. Allen, Doug Allen always said, no chance would I ever do the show without the four guys. And ironically, you know, listen, Jeremy Piven, I have to say, you know, Jeremy Piven is a world-class actor. I mean, Jeremy Piven won three Emmys in a row. Like, the last guy to do that was Don Knotts. He was incredible. I mean, it's, it's in fucking that he was incredible. Guys, and, and what he did on the show was, like, so next level. Incredible. You know, incredible, right? But it would almost have been easy. It would, from a story standpoint, it would have been easier to, you know, have a different agent. It would, the show wouldn't have been as good, obviously, because Piven was Piven. But, right. like, to, to not have either of the four guys would have been just weird. Doug wouldn't have done it, so it didn't matter. Piven seems like a complex guy. He he is. He, yo, he, listen, he takes it to acting. He's very serious. He's a serious actor, you know? Um, he's hard on himself. Uh, he's hard on, you know, everyone around him. And, uh, you know, but, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be that guy, give me a triple-double, right? right? Which, <laughs> which Piven did. <laughs> Like the, you know? To where he can afford to be complex because he's you that good. Knocking 125 ribbies. Right. Put right. 40 in the fucking bleachers. And you know what I mean? And, and and to his credit, he always delivered on that. So that was really, to me, the only thing I ever gave a shit about. And again, to to my point earlier, Jeremy, like, winning Emmys only meant money for me. I was ecstatic when Jeremy was winning. It was great. Right. You know, Kevin Dillon should have won one of those Emmys, in my opinion. I think I remember you telling me when I was talking to you that that he's actually pretty similar. Obviously, not the same thing, but he's pretty similar to the character that he played. Well, I mean, yes and no. But the the thing about Kevin that most people don't know is that Kevin's an artist. Kevin paints. Oh, if I showed phenomenal. you, a, if I showed you a painting that Kevin Dillon made, you would say. No chance. Oh, that's phenomenal. No chance. I mean, can you imagine him in front of a fucking... That's why it's so that great. Called? No. Yeah, yeah. He's like hardcore. Kevin Dillon, you know, only drives American cars. You told me a great story about him. Yeah, yeah, With, yeah. I, you guys I, you know, whatever. It was, that, it was that season when, it, when we, we were all making enough money and at day one, everybody pulls up uh, in a new car. And uh, I had a Range Rover or whatever. And I'm like getting out of the car and Dylan, this back when we were all smoking cigarettes, Dylan's like drinking a cup of coffee and he's smoking a cigarette and he's like shaking his head. I'm like, what? He's like, God forbid. And by the way, it's still dark out. It's like six in the morning. It's like black. I was like, God forbid you bought American during hard times. I was like, Kevin, give me a fucking break, bro. I always wanted one of these cars and now I got it. Don't make me feel bad. But like Kevin is like, Kevin can, Kevin can take an engine apart and put it together. Kevin's like, I want to show you this new walkway that I built. And like, you just like, you're looking at this masonry work. I'm like, you, what do you mean you built? He's like, what do you mean? What do I mean? The fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> I went and I got the bricks and I fucking laid the fucking, I'm like, so he's, you know, he is, uh, you know, you know, Kevin Dillon, when the Malibu fires happened, Kevin Dillon refused to evacuate and saved his house with a fire hose. So yeah, maybe that's a Johnny drama thing. But oh, Kevin sure. Dillon, yo, there was destruction around him, and he was out there. <laughs> Did you guys have to talk sense in him to get out of there? Well, I knew, I knew that I. Well, first of all, it was such an intense time, and and if you don't live in California, I don't really think you can fully appreciate. No. You know, these people, it's their homes, their 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 dream homes, yep. and they're fucking burning down to the ground. It was really, it was pretty terrible. And I was like, yo, when I heard the evacuations, I, I, I texted him. I, you know, I sent him a text. I knew he was, I knew, I would have bet my life he wasn't evacuating. And he's you in know? Malibu. Yeah, Kevin's in Malibu. And there he is, but he saved his house. He's freaking, you know. Yeah, he's like, you know, he lives next door neighbors at Nick Nolte who lost his house. You know, and he's like, you know, I told Nick I tried. I told Nick I did my <laughs> 
tried to save Nolte's house. Like Kevin, Kevin's a fucking man, bro. Kevin is a man. He's outside. Man. There's and fine. Kevin will also be happy to throw you a beating if you have any, if you want to step outside. Yeah, Kevin's a tough customer. And he's outside in his backyard with a, a fire extinguisher. Whatever, not an extinguisher. With a fire extinguisher. He's got a fire extinguisher. Where, where is he running power to this? Yeah, no, he had a hose. He had a hose, whatever it is. I'm like, what kind of hose? Like a regular green garden hose? How's your water pressure? I don't know exactly the details of it, oh, but I know he saved his house. And then he was out like trying to save other people's houses. You know, Kevin's a great guy, man. I love Kevin. On, yeah. a, um, on, on a much different note that, that I, I wanted to ask, that it's true. It's going to sound crazy, but it's true. When you guys are reading the script, obviously there were so many pretty girls there. If you have an upcoming sex scene or whatever it is, do you honestly think to yourself, I may get a boner in this scene? Um, is it acceptable well, no. on scene if, God forbid, you know, you do get a boner? Right. No, well, no, no. You know why? You know why that's impossible, right? To get a boner? Yeah. <laughs> why? No, there's a, there's, a, there's a thing that you wear. And is, this a, is this a rated R show? So yes, you'd be surprised what's right. been. So, so it, it's like a super tight pair of underwear that essentially, I mean, I hate to say it, but it cuts your circulation off and it basically pulls your like junk, like between your legs to the waistband. So you're almost like a, so you're almost like a Barbie doll, right? You know, you're like a, you're like the Ken Barbie. It's just like a, yeah. It, and it, it cuts off the circulation. And it, do you Yeah, I mean, a, it's, it's not terribly it's not terribly comfortable, but it does, it does the trick because yeah, of course you're in that situation and you're getting, you know, can be embarrassing and you don't want that. You know, you don't want to do that. I mean, I, I had to, uh, you had to lay do in bed. I mean, well, I had to lay in bed with, uh, when I did, he's just not that into you. I had to lay in bed and like, it wasn't a sex scene, but I had to like hold Scarlet and like, I had the thing oh. on, you know, and I, and I, you know, she's like, to me, a goddess, you know? So I was, uh, I was like, man, I need the I need the tightest version of those those underwear. Need the du- yeah, double double down I on need, them. Yeah, I need the I need the extra small, really fucking tighten it up. But uh, yeah, no, there's there's things that to take. Also, too, there is a there is at a certain extent, to a certain extent, like there's people around. It's not. It's not doesn't feel that it's it you know it's not as easy as you think or it could happen obviously but. You know, you also got a hairy boom guy standing over you, looking at you. you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's you know. <laughs> but with how much you guys had, I mean, you you would say you would have those underpants on the entire season. Well, I, I, Adrian did the most of that. Um, True. You know, I did. Uh, you know, for me, the greatest thing was you know Emmanuel Shrieky was the greatest, the greatest co-star that you could have possibly had. And and you guys got along. Her and I, yeah, her and I are like she's like my sister. We really. She's amazing. So for me, I was always, her and I, I was just in such a comfort zone with her that, um, yeah, it was, it, it was super easy. I think Adrian was more of like, okay, so this random girl that you met in the morning is going to be on top of you tonight. And anytime it was me, there was a little more warm up time. You get to know them a little bit, right. you know, it wasn't just like, hey, this episode, you're doing whatever, you know. What's your favorite, what's your favorite celebrity cameo appearance? One that was really cool to you. Or maybe even a guy that just, from an acting standpoint, you were like, holy shit, he's actually very good. Well, uh, Martin Landau. Okay. Is this something you might be interested in? I mean, he was in, you know, he's one of the original actor studios members, actor studio members. He was in Cleopatra with Liz Taylor and Richard Burton. He was friends with, you know, him and James Dean were best friends. You know, he was, he was like a real dude and he knew that I, I liked it. So listen to him tell stories and yeah, I love you. would love to tell the stories, but I, I, you ask him and he would, I tee him up and let him talk and, and, and just listen to the stories. And it's pretty amazing. You he's had a to triple, I think he's a triple crown winner, Oscar, Emmy, Tony for Martin Landau. You almost had to enjoy even off the scenes, even more than on the scenes, just with some of the shit you were seeing. Well, the other thing too is we we got to do a lot of fun, uh, a fun fun episodes. The U two concert, you know, we were just yeah. they gave us they put wires on us, 
we had floor seats and we knew where the cameras were and we had to go just out there and do it. You know, the, the Sundance episode, uh, the can episode. So it was fun sort of just blending in with, you know, what was going on. Those are some of the funnest, some of the best ones are the hardest for me, the, the mushroom, uh, episode. We yeah. guys were actually out in the desert for oh, that. Right? Fuck man. And it's hot and there's just nowhere to, it's just nowhere to go. You're just like, it, it was, it was brutal. But it's like one of the best, to me, it's like one of my favorite episodes. I think but, it's a lot of people's favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah, it just, it was murder to shoot. There's no hotels out there. I mean, we, we were in like an Econo Lodge, um, which was fun too, because it was like sort of a bonding experience. But right. yeah. Let me ask you something, okay? You guys have kept it. it it's, you really don't hear much about it. What, what's the most you could give me on what went down? with Don's Plum. Can a movie with you, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Tobey Maguire really be that bad to where you don't want it released domestically? Well, first off, that, that, had, no, that had nothing to do, that had nothing to do with me. So you weren't um, even, you didn't, you weren't even supposed to be acting in it at all? No, 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 no. I mean, the, the backlash part of it, mm. you know, and, and listen, at the end of the day, you know, um, the director, who he and I have since, you know, it's, we're fine. It's all good. But, you know, he, he was my roommate. We were roommates and it was supposed to be, you know, Leo's understanding of it was that it was supposed to be a short film. So he worked on it for a day. And then as Leo's star started to rise, they built it into a feature to try to sell it. And Leo's position was, that wasn't the deal. And he was pretty much doing it, safe to say, for his friend. Friends, as a favor. me, for all of us. You right. Know? But, but like, like that could have been a cool short film to go to Sundance and do whatever. He just didn't. He just, that wasn't the deal. There was a deal made and that wasn't the deal, you know. But well, the, other th- the other thing, too, about that is, fuck, man, that's 25 years ago. Yeah. It's could 95. You, would it you know? be bizarre for you to watch it now? You know, you I, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I never, really, I never really thought about it. It's funny because every time that Leo has a movie come out, they write a new story about it, you know? And it's just about so Don Plummet that still ends up coming up? Yeah, yeah. About like, you know, the, the uh, big Hollywood machine killing the indie artists. And it's just ridiculous because it, like it never goes away. Way. Didn't happen that way. So finally, Connolly, to close this down, what what's what's next for you? Do you want to? Is it the podcast game that you're enjoying doing? What's next? Well, so the company Action Park Media that that I I started, you know, we're we're starting in the podcast world, but you know, it's it's really an IP developer. That's the best thing about podcasts now. People don't want to hear people. Executives want to hear the podcast. Like, oh yeah, let's do a movie or a show based on that. Right. right. So it really helps you develop IP. So for me, the end game, because one of the things I've learned in, in all these years out here is actors love them, but we're at the bottom of the food chain. You know, and unless you're Brad Pitt or Leo and you get that first dollar gross, actors, at, at, you know, the, the middle of the road, middle ground actor like myself, we get kicked off to, you know, we right. kind of get kicked by the curb. So it's really about ownership. So here I'm developing things where I can have a piece of ownership and make real money. You're a businessman. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and also, too, I'm having, I'm having a blast with the podcast part of it. But it's really just one leg to a much bigger, much bigger thing. Good. Well, again, one of our best episodes happened in your studio over there. Yeah. Action Park Media. Kevin, Robert close O'Neill. the show down as me. You could say this is Robbie Berger on the Brilliantly Dumb Show. Time to close this down. Uh, this is um, this is you. Thanks for listening, tuning in to Brilliantly Dumb. It's Robbie Berger, Kevin Connolly. Thank you. By the way, was I supposed to do an OJ Simpson? <laughs> you were, yeah, we're yeah. kicking ideas do, around. Do Robbie Berger interviewing OJ Simpson. <laughs> OJ, listen, I don't want to get into the criminal part of the case because I believe that you know what you were acquitted, and that's it. So I'm part. I, I'm, I'm with that. But are you thinking I should get the glove? When you drop the glove. Do you go back to the? Did you think about going back to the club? At what point do you realize you don't have both gloves? Do you go? You send somebody back. You call Cato. Was Cato involved? 
Yeah, uh, my cousin, my cousin turned to me. He goes, "That was really fucking good." I drank my beer. I go, "I know." <laughs> you know the the you know the funny thing too. By the way, O.J. Simpson, what a fucking disaster! Did you see him? What is wrong with this guy? Do you, do you see him with the Tiger King? I mean, like, is, he's is, fuck, he, he's, he's is he doing that on me. purpose? Of course, of course. He does, right? That's a that's a fuck you. Right? No doubt about it. He's such a piece of shit. Right. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. I'd be interested to hear what he would think about your putter theory. That was one of the does most. OJ, does OJ take the putter and leave the other clubs in the office? OJ's taking. He probably the takes them. Oh, geez, you took this putter. It's like you were going to use it as your carry-on. <laughs> I mean, you didn't even. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And I had to bust your balls for it. I said, you know what? He's got the impression of me. Did, I'm jumping all over this. <laughs> I'm watching Entourage, and I'm just did you, you to- What do you think about what – what, what's your take on the, on the thinking bat? Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men. I thought that was a good answer. It was a really good answer. It was, and you it's know true. what you did by putting that post and then you coming into the comment section? Even Bro Bible did a blog on it. Right. And it just totally stirred the pot. And you know what you were doing and what yeah. you said was true. I mean, there right. was a lot of well, do it. The other thing, too, that, which was almost funny at times where it would go, God, you'd be like, guys, give me a fucking break. It would be like Doug, Ellen, Steve Levinson, and Rob Weiss and these guys. And they would have like conversations about the shit crazy conversations about that kind of stuff so those little details that you might think oh there's a slip up no there was a discussion about the putter there was justification there was a conversation there was like a sand like a sidebar meeting about why am i only just about the something as small as that yeah like is it weird that i'm just taking the putter and then you know that's well it's like well you're not gonna have you know, exactly. I'm not the biggest guy. It would have been clumsy me trying to throw that bag over. You <laughs> took the driver. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have been as smooth, you know? Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, they, dude, those guys would – those there was – every little detail like that was very heavily debated, and nothing went – ah, who cares? Something, no one's going to Something you've, you've told me, which I, I found interesting, was, like, even with you guys are always drinking Budweiser's, you said a lot of start just part of acting – you want something to do with your hands. You just, it helps to have something to do. Right. Yeah. Like, so I like, you know, whether it's smoking the joint or like, you know, drinking the beers. And also, you know, it's funny too, because that was, you know, that's a Mark Wahlberg thing. Wahlberg and his buddies were big on like light beers. Those guys order, Mark would sit down at the club and order like a giant tub of like beer on ice, bottled beer at him and all of his boys. Bud Light's know. coming to you. Bud, Bud's coming in. So yeah, that's kind of where that came from. Connolly, you're you're the fucking best. Thank you, man. Good times. I mean, dude, you're the best. As always, are we going to grab a beer when this is all over? Yeah, you got to lower the mic. How about this? You lower the, the microphone. Don't. You lower it. You lower it a little bit. You, it's not. It's not giving me that range, though. Well, what about? Can you raise your seat up? I could bring it down like wow, that. Wow, look at that thing. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Me, wow, that's it. Give me that's a microphone, would you, Tommy? I'm going to come prevalent. steal one of those from you. You're it's right down the road. Spray painted black or something. Spray painted black or something. It's very distracting. Hey, Callie, go fuck yourself, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Drinks when this is all over. Done deal, buddy. There he is. There you have it, folks. There you have it. Grace, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Connolly joining the Brilliantly Dumb Show, another friend of the pod. You could chalk that one up as a dub. For the fans out there, I, I tell you, the only question that I was skeptical on, on talking about, I knew I would talk about Gotti, which is the movie he directed that went south with Travolta. He's had tons of successes. Uh, you know, I think that was only his real big downfall, um, but was the the Don's Plum question. For those of you who don't know, and, and you heard me ask about Don's Plum, what Don's Plum was, it was a movie that Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, and Connolly, Kevin Connolly, did uh, as a favor, as Kevin said, to his roommate. Apparently, they were so vulgar in the movie, and the script was so brutal um, that they, they didn't really know it would be turned into a movie by their friend, um, and they tried to get it banned. 
in the United States, and um, you know, I think it ended up airing internationally. But uh, DiCaprio and Maguire had to go through court and depositions and and all of that good stuff um, in order to get this thing banned from the United States because they were afraid what it would do to their career. So, um, you know, again, Kev- Kevin's a friend, so I, I felt okay asking him that, um, and uh, really just enjoyed that with him. I think that was a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely think we'll have him back on, so I look forward to that. What else I look forward to is next Tuesday. We are back to our roots on the audio here of the Brilliant Dumb Show. Folks, as always, thank you for listening. Please be sure and, and check that video, that interview out on our YouTube channel, The Brilliantly Dumb Show. Folks, we keep this train moving right along here on the show. You take care now. Stay safe. Stay quarantined. We will see you Tuesday, folks. Take care now.